Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is, and always will be, our top priority. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus, built with the zero landfill promise. All waste is recycled or reused. With more at PrestigeSubaru.com. Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, an award-winning tour showcasing Asheville's spectacular rooftop views and fascinating city history. Enjoy handcrafted drinks and delicious food with reserved seating and transportation included. Visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. And by Home Trust Bank. Dream travel requires smart financial planning. Get ready for what's next with a local banking partner you can trust. Dream big with Home Trust Bank. Visit htb.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website. That's speakingoftravel.net. And on all your favorite podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, Buzzsprout, Pandora, and Amazon. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to stories from people who are actively engaging with sustainable strategic planning. Because now is our opportunity to embrace sustainability and implement innovative strategies together. Just some creative planning can help you determine specific and unique strategies that really will work. Today, we continue with the Speaking of Travel plus Leave No Trace series with Richard Crawford. Ricky is the host of the Amazon Prime TV series, Leave No Trace, and together, along with guests from all over the world, we'll highlight the importance of conservation, sustainable travel, and ecotourism. And Ricky, as always, this series is rocking the globe. I'm so glad to have you. Yeah, thanks, Marilyn. It's just us two this week. You know what? Two's company, right? Three's a crowd. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, we have a lot to go over, and I want to start with really getting your backstory, Ricky, because we've talked about how you became kind of the celebrity, if you will, of your own Amazon Prime TV series, Leave No Trace, but where did you start out? What was it like for you when you were growing up? Yeah, I think I think what I'm going to do actually to start this off is, you know, my my television show takes me around the world and I, I show people uh, locations, exotic locations around the world through the, the, the lens 
um, of the camera and out on the television. But what I don't get to do is talk about my actual hometown. Um, so I'm actually, I would like to just talk about it a little bit. It does pop up in one of the episodes, the Scottish episode, but I don't really get into it very in much depth. So I just kind of want to let the listeners know where I'm from uh, and the significance of that, because I didn't realize actually how significant my little town was. And I'll, I'll get into this in a minute. When I lived there, it wasn't until I left, I realized, oh, it's quite something. Um, so I grew up in a little town called Paisley, right outside of Glasgow. And I actually did a little uh, Ancestry.com thing. And I found out that on my father's side, our, our family has lived in Paisley since the mid-1700s. So there's, there's been a Crawford uh, and, and there's been brothers and, and all the brothers' names have always been the same through each generation. Robert, Richard, Ian, you know. So it was, was pretty impressive to think that I came from a lineage that has been in that town since the mid-1700s and probably before. I just didn't have any record of it. I couldn't go back any further. Um, but Paisley is a small town on the west coast of Scotland, right outside of Glasgow. And Glasgow is the industrial heart of Scotland. Um, and Paisley is actually became a prominent town, believe it or not, in the 12th century. And it was established because they built an abbey there, Paisley Abbey, uh, and it was an important religious hub for local churches and stuff like that. And believe it or not, believe it or not, that Paisley Abbey is still here, still there today. I grew up walking past that thing every day going to school. I paid no attention to it, had no appreciation for it until I actually went back to Scotland several times after I left and, and had an appreciation for Scotland. Um, but looked a little bit into the history of the Abbey, went inside. It's beautiful that some of the stones on the floor are the original, the, the stained glass windows, the huge organ. It's just a beautiful, uh, beautiful place. But um, I, I had no idea that, that Paisley Abbey was so significant. And I, I would encourage anybody who visits Scotland, and if you land in Glasgow Airport, you're literally in Paisley. It takes about 10 minutes to go down and see the Paisley Abbey, 12th century Abbey, worth, worth the visit. Um, now, Paisley made its mark, and really in the 19th century, um, it became basically the center of the weaving industry globally during the Industrial Revolution. And most of the, probably most of your listeners today are quite familiar with Paisley Pattern. What they're not familiar with is actually named after the town that it was developed, which is the town I grew up in. Again, I had no idea Paisley Pattern was so global till I started traveling and going out into the world. And um, yeah, we, we took an old Hindu pattern in, in the 19th century and converted it into what is that teardrop classic Paisley pattern today that you see on socks and ties and shawls and shirts and stuff like that. Um, so it really was, it really has become quite a significant uh, little town and, and somewhere I'm very proud to be from. Now, the last little bit of information, because I got on Google today, I knew we had some kind of connection um, with the Declaration of Independence here in Scotland. And one of the guys who signed it was a Reverend John Witherspoon. He was born in Scotland. He was educated in Edinburgh. And he was a minister in Paisley, probably at the, the Paisley Abbey at some point. And then he came over to the States in 1768. And he was the president of the College of New Jersey, which, of course, now is Princeton University. So I thought that was really interesting. And again, gives me that little sense of pride. Well, what was it, Ricky, that you remember you didn't remember really just being a kid and passing this 12th century abbey, but what are some of the key memories that you do have 
being a kid growing up in Paisley? Well, the one thing I think most people, not just me, I think most people my generation, the one thing that, that we do remember growing up is there were no iPhones, there were no, there were no iPads, there were no computers. So much of your day when you weren't in school was outside. Like, who wanted to be cooped up inside at that age? I didn't, and I know most of my friends didn't. So there was a lot of adventures um, locally in the little area that you grew up. But right across the street from where I lived, a major highway, it's called the M8, which is actually a motorway, was Glasgow Airport. And I mentioned earlier, Glasgow Airport is actually in Paisley. If you land in Glasgow Airport, you're landing in Paisley. And as kids, it was a big adventure for us to go over there for a couple of reasons. We'd walk over, literally a 10-minute walk. We, we, would, <laughs> we would cross a very busy highway, which if my mother knew it at the time, would probably have had a heart attack. It wasn't the safest thing to do, but we were kids. Um, or we followed the railway line and went over. But um, the reason we'd go over there as kids is because there was escalators which we could ride and there was baggage, you know, conveyor belts that we could ride. And a lot of the times part of the fun of being there was being chased out by security. But what it did do, me going to the airport very often, usually on a Saturday or a Sunday, did give me this yearning for travel at a very, very young age because when I was in the airport, I would see all these incredibly different looking people, different sounding people, you know, the clothes they were wearing, their accents, the languages. And the airport, you know, like most airport had these huge glass windows and I could see these planes taking off and landing and pretty much could hear them from my house too all the time. And I just, right, I remember it vividly that, man, I want to go out. I want to go out into the world and learn where all these people are from and, and learn all these different things that I'm seeing in this one little Glasgow airport. I want to go. I want to go. And that really, I think, is where my my bug for travel actually started, although I didn't realize at the time, obviously, I was going to end up doing a television show where I got to travel the world. So it all kind of came full circle. Well, I'm impressed. I, you know, so many times we hear about growing up and whether we really bring anything from our childhood experiences to kind of the foreshadowing, if you will, of our later lives and what we end up doing. And, and it sounds like you are literally on course with that. When we come back from the break, Ricky, I want to talk more about how you ended up coming to America when you finally did literally spread your wings and start to travel and yeah. then really dive deep into the awe that you must have felt as you did start to travel in looking at what is happening all over the world and making that into something that that you can call your own yep perfect all right well this is marilyn ball you're listening to speaking of travel and the leave no trace series with richard crawford we're here talking about growing up and traveling and all kinds of memories. Sometimes we have to go down memory lane to really get to where we are today. So stay tuned. We're going to hear more of this story when we come back. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier has been a fixture in our nation's capital and a destination for tourists since 1921. On November 11th, you can celebrate the 100th anniversary of this remarkable monument with a musical tribute to our fallen heroes. 
Urban Arias, an opera company in Washington, D.C., commissioned brand new songs for this special occasion. The music is by the American composer Sean O'Peblo, and the words are by Marcus Amaker, the poet laureate of Charleston, South Carolina. The musicians are filmed on location in Washington, with the National Mall and the Arlington National Cemetery as scenic backdrops. You can watch the global premiere of these dramatic songs streaming on demand at urbanarias.com, November 11th through the 18th. You won't want to miss this special presentation. Free registration at urbanarias.com. That's U-R-B-A-N-A-R-I-A-S.com, November 11th through 18th. Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like On Jupiter and Mars In other words Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Richard Crawford of the Leave No Trace TV series on Amazon Prime and partnering with me now to bring you some news of what's happening worldwide in sustainability. And sometimes we have to start at the beginning. And Ricky, hearing your backstory and how growing up for you was just I love the story of being across the street from the airport and being able to go watch the planes take off and dream big, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was. Looking back on it, just kind of melts my heart a little bit. There was, there was also, I remember a a big water pool um, that people would throw coins into, and you know, as a kid, every now and again, you dip your finger in there and try and pull a coin out, which we also got chased for. Very, very fond memories. So how did you start to think about what you wanted to do with yourself and your future as far as moving on, going to college? What was going on in your head? Yeah, so I, when I left high school, I actually started work as a, a, a mechanic for lorries, like 18-wheelers and stuff like that. And I did an apprenticeship there. And I knew the whole time I was doing it. It's not something I wanted to be in for the rest of my life. But the mentality in, in working class Scotland is, look, get a trade, become a craftsman, and then no matter where you go in the world, you'll have that to fall back on. So that, that's where I was when I left high school. But I went on vacation to the United States with a, with a cousin of mine, and we traveled the panhandle of Florida a little bit. Uh, we rented a little geo car. It was a very small little car. And I loved it. And I was playing, I played soccer as a kid, football, we called it back home. And I was playing some on the beach and there was a couple of guys that said, hey, you're pretty good. You know, you can go to college here and get a scholarship. I had no idea what that meant because further education uh, was never in my, you know, was never in my destiny back in, in a blue collar upbringing. So I did a little research and ultimately, you know, to cut a long story short, I ended up coming back over and attending the University of Alabama in 1991, if you can believe that, um, which was quite which was quite a culture shock, I think, both for me and the people that I that, that I was around. <laughs> now, is that a soccer scholarship of some kind? It, it was it was a soccer scholarship. Yeah, yeah. So I was again very very fortunate, and, and it was one of the major events in my life that turned my life around. You know, you have these big almost um, big places in your life that you realize that's where your life changed. Well, that was one of them coming over here and doing that. 
I bet your family was like, what are you doing? They must have been so proud, too, that you they, were going were, to university. They were very, very proud, but I, I can remember as clear today as, as back then, turning around and looking at my wee mommy's face when I was walking up that gangplank to the to the, the plane and just the tears strolling down her eyes. I was I'm one of four. I'm the oldest and the only boy. So, you know, I'm the golden child. <laughs> and the sisters, if they heard this, will be rolling their eyes right now. But yeah, I, I came to the States and it was definitely a lot of things were amazing and a lot of things were were shocking. One of the things that really stood out for me was Americans' affinity for Scotland. Like I, I realize now that, yeah, most of the population of America came from somewhere else. And then definitely this part of the world, especially in the Carolinas, you know, where, where you are in, in Virginia, where I am now, um, the big Scottish diaspora ended up here. So there, there's a huge Scottish influence here that I see that I see every day. The other big surprise was the ketchup was free at McDonald's. You didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> Was it considered a vegetable there in Scotland? <laughs> it might have been. Now, what that meant was the first four times or five times I went to McDonald's, I would my, I'd leave my pockets full of ketchup because I felt like I was getting something for free. You know, again, that blue collar upbringing, you know, it's hard to get hard to get out of that. So did you um, stay there at the University of Alabama for the whole four years that you were in college? No, no. I ended up actually coming north to an affiliate to the Huntsville, Alabama University up in Huntsville, North Huntsville, which is big for space development and the rocket center. That's where Von Braun landed. So that that's where I that's where I ended up. So what happened then? You ended up there, but where did you go? Did you end up in some kind of a field or did you go back to doing some kind of uh, blue collar type of work? What was going on? Uh, no. So when, when college finished, I, I puttered around a few things that did, did a little, you know, working in a bar and all that kind of stuff. And then I actually had an opportunity to work for a huge brand, huge global brand called Glen Livet Scotch whiskey. And I became their, their national spokesperson here in the United States, which meant I was in front of a crowd entertaining as I, as I do now. And it just really came naturally. It's not something I had done before, but I loved it. I, I loved the, the rush of it, which is, done me well going forward with a TV show. So yeah, I got to travel the country teaching people all about Scotch whiskey and really telling the story of the brand. It was less about a little bit about tasting the whiskey, but the audience were really interested in the story of the, the, the heritage of the distillery itself, which led me to my next move in my career. So um, what I realized was that I was a good storyteller. So I actually reached out to several brands in that luxury space, uh, clothing, watches, shoes, and created a business called Richard Crawford Luxury, which ultimately highlighted a luxury lifestyle through brands that were luxurious and, and just telling the story in a way that was relatable and a way that wasn't, um, it wasn't elevated and pretending you were better than everybody, you know? So it, it worked, it worked for me. And that took me to, that ended up taking me to a point that I was highlighting high-end hotels around the world. Um, which got me started in the traveling and representing travel a little bit. And from there, doing a little hotel, decided, you know what? I think we could make a television show out of this. And we've already spoke to Ben uh, in a previous episode. And if you guys haven't listened to it, please do, because it'll give you the genesis of him and I, uh, which is really interesting. And we're still best friends till today. So Ben, my, my producer and, and partner in crime at Leave No Trace, we ultimately sat down one day and said, let's make a television show. So that's how it came about. Well, when you first started traveling, you were, it sounds like first traveling 
nationally with the brand. Yeah, yeah. And then you started to be able to really branch out with your luxury brand and and take it globally, really being exactly. able to get out. What did you find, Ricky, as you were starting to to visit some of these high-end places that might have just made you think, wow, I never would have expected that in the way that they operate and, and promote themselves? Um, I, I think, well, first of all, just to step back a little bit, domestically, as in the United States, I traveled quite a bit, and I was, I was really, really surprised at the diversity of the landscape in the United States. Like, people just don't realize how massive and big it is and how different it is uh, across the country. It's, you know, absolutely beautiful. People talk about going to abroad and all these beautiful, luxurious and, and exotic destinations, but they have it right here on their doorstep if they're just willing to do a little research and go find it. As far as back, back to your question, as far as traveling internationally and, and visiting hotels and, and kind of luxury destinations, I guess the one common factor in all of them, and this is obviously prior to me paying attention to eco and sustainability and stuff like that, was the attention to detail and making sure that the guest was comfortable and making sure that the guest um, realized that, that all of the staff and that whole production was there just for them. And sometimes in these places, you felt like even though you knew there were other people there, you felt like you were the only one there. Um, and I, you know, and that came through hard work and dedication with the staff. And again, not not trying to elevate themselves to, because when you talk about luxury, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, la-di-da, luxury, luxury. Um, and it's not always the case. Well, it sounds like what is the case is that people were doing good work. They were showing that they cared uh, yep. not only about the customer's experience, but about their own local communities experience for sure for sure and it felt genuine I, I guess that's the word i was looking for it felt genuine well when we come back ricky i want to talk about that genuine feel because i know from being able to look beyond some place that's luxury and uh, you you have this perception of like you said maybe a little bit la-di-da but actually doing good work for good causes was something that caught your eye. So when we come back, let's pick up right there and see how sustainability and how ecotourism really plays into that customer experience. Right. All right. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here today with Ricky Crawford from the Leave No Trace Amazon Prime TV series. And we are talking about sustainability and ecotourism and really being able to give back and make a difference in our lifetime. So stay tuned. It's crisp, it's clean, it's cool, and it's here. Fall is in the air. While the brisk breeze billows through the kaleidoscope of colors cascading across the mountains, there is no better time to get out and explore the breathtaking beauty that our backyard has to offer. Adventure is the name of the game. What better to kick off in than a symmetrical all-wheel drive Subaru to take you through whatever terrain you wish to tackle? Adventure is waiting. The choice is yours. Discover the beauty of all-wheel drive at Prestige Subaru, 585 Tunnel Road, Nashville, or visit us online at PrestigeSubaru.com. Hi, this is Kay. At Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, we put you in the middle of experiencing Asheville like no one else can. With an expert guide by your side, you'll have an all-access pass to what makes Asheville so unique. 
our sense of place, history, and awe, along with great food and drinks and spectacular views. We follow safety protocols on every tour. Come experience why TripAdvisor awarded our company the 2020 Traveler's Choice Award, placing us in the top 10% of attractions worldwide. To learn more about us and our award-winning tours, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Richard Crawford. Richard is the host of the Amazon Prime TV series, Leave No Trace. And we have been partnering up here for quite a while now. Ricky, I think this is uh, maybe our fourth uh, conversation doing this. I think it is. And I Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it and look forward to it every time. I do too. And we find out new things every time. And one of the one of the areas that I want to dive in right now is that as you've talked about how you were a kid growing up in Paisley and all the dreaming of travel and wanting to travel and then coming to the U.S. and then being able to be this brand ambassador and eventually saying, hey, let's just start our own show. Let's just right. do it. And then you did do it. You've done it for an entire season with 10 different episodes, all in different countries. Give us an idea of what it's like for you and, and I imagine Ben to sit down and, and start really looking at where are we going to go, what are we going to do, and what's the focus going to be? That, so that was actually the most fun part. Um, now, it, it was both hard work and exciting. Um, because although we we did manage to shoot 10 episodes, we reached out to probably a thousand places. And it's one of those things where for every no you get, a yes is just around the corner, right? You have to have that attitude because I'd pick up the phone or email all these places and say, hey, we want to come and shoot a television show. And the difficult part for season one is that People were genuinely interested at first, like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. Where is it going to air? And we had no idea. It was a big leap of faith for us. So we both financially and the time and effort we, we put into the show, but we always knew that we could get something out of it. Um, so nine times, 99 times out of 100, people would say, yeah, it's a good idea, but we don't know where it's airing, therefore we don't want to. Fortunately, there were 10 places that did take the leap of faith with us and we're very, very grateful to all those partners and all those places today. So it was it was a lot of picking up the phone, a lot of research, but a lot of fun because you're you're researching these places going, oh my God, look at that place is beautiful. Let's go there. Or look, look, there's so much going on there. Um, so yeah, fun stuff. Well, you had this background of being a brand ambassador, being able to look at uh, you know, what's important in storytelling. That's something that I think you're uh, you're very good at and and you've obviously made that into into your brand if you will the telling of the story give us an idea of what it was like to get to these places and be able to really focus on what's the story here what is it that we want to show people and tell people and inspire people about these luxury uh, destinations yeah, so there's a couple of things happening there. So we kind of get an idea when we're researching and doing some research online, we get this idea of, oh, that would be a great storyline because 
you know, for example, in the Cineva organization, they have this program that if, you know, if you roll up your sleeves and offer to clean up the beach, they'll give you an extra night. I thought that's really interesting. We talked to Arne Finn about that. And then what happens is we have this thing in our mind that this is going to be the story. And then we get there. And, you know, the first thing we do when we get there is Ben and I will sit down with, with you know, the, the manager or the local people there, whatever we're highlighting, and then try and um, schedule out the, the next days coming up. And very often we're really surprised by, by some of the things that come up and people tell us, oh, you didn't know that was here? We can do that too. And we're like, yes, yes, let's get that in. So we, our days are really full when we, when we film and it's, you know, very mobile. Ben and I are on the go all the time. To the point that sometimes when I come back from these trips, people ask me what the place was like. And I'm like, at this point, I can't remember because I would just go, go, go. And I wish I had taken a little time to just stop and, and take it all in. But it all eventually comes back to me. Well, what were the, what were the, I don't know how to even say this, but, you know, here you are, you're talking with the local people, they're giving you their story, what, what's going on. And, and certainly you're looking at all the good work that they're doing. Yep. What was it that really just made you connected to the people and to the story? Yeah, I think it's just being immersed in it and and, and experience experiencing it with them, right? They can talk I could call them on the phone or we could email back and forth and they could tell me all about it. But once I actually get there and I immerse myself in it and, and Ben does too, Ben is experiencing it for the first time just like me and it comes across in the way that he films it and the way that he directs it so he gets actually quite creative just on the fact that we get a lot of surprises uh you know in real time and it actually i, I think it helps the show too because a lot of my um, reactions to some of the stuff that we see or, or some of the stuff that we highlight is a genuine reaction uh, now sometimes sometimes I'm, i don't always get one take so I have to have the same reaction over again, but it is genuine. You must have been really in awe of some of the some of the things that you were seeing. Give us an idea of some of these places where you went in season one. Yeah, so the very beginning, we went to we went to Peru. We went to Peru because there was an organization down there called Incaterra, who had basically been had ecological sensitive programs in place since the 1970s back when it wasn't what ecotourism wasn't even a, a concept they were doing it because they realized that their environment was being affected and they wanted to do things they just wanted to do stuff to make it better they didn't put it under the guise of ecotourism and sustainability they were just like this is the right thing to do and and one of the things they did was they they bought a bunch of land close to where the hotel was and so that it couldn't be farmed and it couldn't be knocked down and for timber and all that stuff. So it produced a certain amount of CO2, which the, which the Sacred Valley needs uh, and the Sacred Valley in Peru. So that was interesting uh, to go there. And we got to go see Machu Picchu. Um, and that, that raised some things there that were a little disappointing to me. And that was basically the access that people had to the actual ruins themselves. It was almost an accelerated example of you could see where it was being worn down by just tourism. Like I could tell that it probably wasn't like that when it was found, but the fact that tourists can clamber all over it, they were literally not just leaving a footprint, but they were wearing it down. So that was disappointing, but the Peruvian government does have things in place now that is limiting the amount of people that can go and the amount of time you can spend there. So that's great. More people get to see it for a shorter period of time. 
Um, the second season, Thailand, uh, the second episode, Thailand, Koku, the first time we were introduced to the Seneva organization, they, they are the pinnacle. I knew when I left there that it would be very difficult to find anybody else that does it as good as them. And I could talk about it for days, but I would encourage the listeners to go back and listen to our last episode with Arn Finn, who actually was with the first time I met him, uh, and listen to that episode. It'll be able to tell the story over the course of the episode rather than me trying to tell it all now, but it's amazing. Third episode, we went to New Mexico, uh, the Ted Turner Ranch uh, Vermejo. Uh, and for me, that was exciting because it was domestic. And again, another opportunity to show the American audience, hey, you don't have to go to all of these exotic places around the world. Um, and that was a surprise too. Um, Ted Turner ha has done a lot there. It's basically a big ranch full of oil fields. He bought it. He told them they had another 10 years to get all their stuff out. And he is basically regenerating, I think it's 550,000 acres. Um, which is, by the way, the size of Rhode Island, which which blew my mind. When I showed up there, I was like, how do you buy somewhere like this? Do you just point over and say, I'll have four of those mountains, three of those streams, and six of those fields? <laughs> and that's exactly what he did, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, Ricky, when we come back from the break, I want to hear about the other places where you visited. And I'd like to pick your brain a little bit about how we can take some of the hints and tips and what you've learned and perhaps turn it into something that we can all do. Maybe we can't go to Suniva today, right. but there are steps that we can take individually that Arnfin is doing. And I do want to say, in relation to our show, the Speaking of Travel and Leave No Trace, if you visit the speakingoftravel.net website, there is a, a link to all of our shows. So... Everybody has accessibility to go back and listen and get reviewed. So, Ricky, when we come back, let's uh, let's buckle down here with these other destinations. I can't wait to hear where you were and get some tips on what we can do to make it better. Cool. All right. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here with Ricky Crawford. We've got some tips and some ideas for you as you start thinking about what can we do individually to make our planet a little bit safer, greener, and live longer. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Fall in North Carolina's Blue Ridge Mountains is the perfect time to get out and explore. With all the natural wonders and beautiful vistas, now is the time to create your perfect vacation or staycation in the land of the sky. With the region's most popular online travel guide, not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com Travel Guide covers a nearly 100-mile radius in and around Asheville, North Carolina. With idyllic weather, beautiful scenery, and a variety of safe and memorable adventures, Western North Carolina is the place to be. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. 
travel is on the rise these days, and significant trips require smart financial planning. That's why Home Trust Bank is a valuable investment resource. They're a local, community-focused partner who can help manage your finances so your dream trip can become a reality. Travel light and leave your money worries behind. Connect with your local Home Trust Bank team member or visit htb.com. Home Trust Bank, helping you get ready for what's next. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm here today with Richard Crawford. He is the host of the Amazon Prime TV series, Leave No Trace, and we're doing the Speaking of Travel plus Leave No Trace series. And Ricky, before the break, we were talking about the places where you visited as Leave No Trace. Season mm-hmm. one, Leave No Trace. You had you you went you were really out there traveling. So after you went you went to Peru, you went to the ranch. You where else did you go? Well, yeah, Thailand. So so overall, the seasons made up of of you know Peru, like I said, Thailand. Uh, New Mexico. Then we did Huila Huila Biological Reserve in Patagonia, Chile, which was incredible because that whole experience was about that forest, that rainforest down there. And then I got to go back to Scotland for the Outer Hebrides. Uh, Scotland is, is, I am very proud of the fact that Scotland has been on the forefront of clean energy and recycling for a very long time. And why wouldn't we be? The place is absolutely beautiful. So for me to go back to the Outer Hebrides specifically was great. We went to the Maasai Mara in Kenya for for one of the best um, safari experiences in my life. I, I say that like I've done thousands of them. I've done two, um, but I could tell that the, the lady who ran this um, was absolutely incredible. And it was one of when I go to Africa, when I do a safari, I feel like I'm in the heart of civilization, like where it all started. I get that feeling, you know. And then Greece went to Greece, which was a real surprise because we went to northern Greece, where it borders Albania. And it was completely different from what people think Greece is uh, with the islands and the blue water and all that stuff. Uh, completely different and, and absolutely stunningly beautiful. And then we went to Borneo um, where I, I you know, heard that there was a lot of deforestation and it was affecting the orangutan population. There's only two places in the world orangutans live now, and that's Sumatra and Borneo. And I, I remember flying in and seeing all these trees and thinking, what are people talking about? There's no deforestation here. Until I landed and I realized, now that I look back, that all these trees were palm trees, which are not indigenous to Borneo. So they were putting all the forest down, the, the, the indigenous forest, and putting in pa- uh, palm trees for palm oil. And now when I think about it, all the trees I saw were in straight lines, right? So it was green, but it was all you know patterned. And then we went to the Maldives twice. We, well, we did episode nine and 10 there. We went there and we, we filmed a lot. There was a lot there to film. Um, and we got cut off from, because of weather for a little while. So we had to go back. The Maldives is the Maldives. And again, it's a Cineva organization. So really the ultimate in luxury ecotourism. Luxury ecotourism. I just, I find that to be the most fascinating grouping of words ever. Right. And yet at the same time, why not? I mean, we right. have to, ecotourism, sustainability crosses all economic lines, yeah. 
all cultures. I'm sure you have found that in your travels. Absolutely. And let, let's be honest, it's usually it's usually the demographic with a little bit of the extra money that can help make a difference, right? You can only do so much, <laughs> but the, you know, money usually talks louder than anything else. So if, you, if you've got a demographic who have a little extra and they're getting to experience this kind of stuff and appreciate it, then maybe there's an opportunity for them to, to put that money somewhere that really matters. Well, Ricky, what are some of the key takeaways that you feel you could contribute now that you have visited all these, I would say, exotic places, you know, yep. some of these places, Maldives, Borneo, who, whoever even heard of them? I think we'd all right. have to do, especially most of us in the U.S., some kind of geography lesson on <laughs> where those places even are. But what kind of ideas have gone through your head as far as, you know, here are really some things we can do even in our own backyard. Yeah, um, some very, very simple stuff. Now, when it comes to travel, the number one thing I tell people to do is tick the box on the airline that says, do you want to pay a little extra money to offset the carbon? Just take it. It's three or four bucks. Just do it, right? If you can afford the flight, the three or four dollars won't make a difference to your, your purse, but it will make a difference to offsetting the carbon footprint. So that's number one. I always tell people take a water bottle with you, like you like a Yeti or whatever. So you're never purchasing a plastic bottle of water, no matter where you go. And then, you know, obviously be very, very respectful of your surroundings, the people, um, wh wherever you go. And also in situations from a power point of view, just because it's not your house you're staying in, you're not, you're not paying the electric bill, go ahead and turn off the lights, turn off the television, try and save power a little bit. Um, just very, very simple stuff. So that's, you know, that's some of the most basic to travel. Well, I remember with our conversation with Arnfin from Suniva that you were talking about how he was coming behind you all the time and turning off lights. And I have to say that I am doing that myself now more than, than I did before because it's so easy just to be in, in those old habits, yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I run into what my the premise for the show is is leave the, the title is leave no trace. The premise is strive to leave no trace. Nobody can live in a modern day and not leave a trace. It's just impossible. And some people when I talk to some people think that I am, you know, because I do the show that every little single thing that I do must be perfect and it's not. And that's part of why I enjoy doing this because I actually learn every single day. Um, something new and something different that I can do, which brings up something you had brought up, a 31-day or 30-day zero-waste challenge. If you Google it, it'll come up. And she has 31 things to do one, one a day. The one that really stuck out to me, again, this is a situation where I'm learning stuff every day, is junk mail. Like how much junk mail do we get, right? It's annoying and it's very, very carbon heavy. And I never thought about this before. And, and she put out some figures, and I'm going to read them out just so people are familiar. 51 million metric tons of greenhouse gas is caused by junk mail each year, right? Junk mail seems small, but it's a perfect example of how one small thing can make an enormous impact and when it's multiplied by millions of people. 100 million trees are cut down annually just to feed the junk mail machine, right? Think about that. That's crazy. So what do you do? Just you can unsubscribe to junk mail, junk mail. That I didn't know. So that's the first thing I'm going to do tomorrow is unsubscribe to any junk mail um, that I get. And it's just little things like that, uh, that 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 people constantly remind you of make it make 
make me strive to do better every day. I will never be perfect and I'll never claim to be perfect on the show. Um, so that's, I, I think, something really, really important. It is very important. So, Ricky, are we looking at season two? Is that something that's going to come up in 2022? Oh, yes, we are. And I'm so excited. And I talked earlier about the fun research that we do. And now it's actually a little bit easier because we have the collateral and the credibility of having the show on Amazon Prime. So when I talk to people now, they're like, yeah, come on now. At least maybe not 99 out of 100 say no. Not everybody says yes, but it's not as many no's as it was before. And I'm really excited. We're getting to go to Mongolia, which I'm excited about, the Three Camels Lodge. We're going to go to Canada, the, the Fogo Island Inn up in Newfoundland. Um, and you can Google these things. People can Google these things and get an idea. Um, we're going to go to Belize to a rum distillery and eco resort down there. I think we're doing Costa Rica also. I just talked to um, a gentleman there who runs the number one eco sustainable hotel in the world in 2018, I think. Uh, the Finca Rosa Blanca coffee plantation. Um, we are doing some domestic stuff in the United States. I think we might actually do North Carolina. Uh, so we'll come and see you and maybe maybe Oregon and there's one more. Oh, Norway. We're doing Norway also, which is fantastic. So really looking forward to all of that. You have a lot on your plate, Ricky. I think someday there might be um, Richard Crawford tours, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and because I can imagine that there are plenty of people who want to go along because I can tell you I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have you have so much fun and and you're making such a difference and for that i just want to give you a big shout out because we all have so much work to do to keep this planet alive and yeah. to be able to watch your show and learn what you're doing is is really important so thank you so much well, well thanks for that now I, I could say the same for you though you know you have this show on you have an audience you you send that message out all the time. So you're definitely doing your part, even if even if it's not as much fun as following me around the around the world. Maybe one of these days we'll go somewhere together. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm going to keep that in my wheel spoke here. I, I, do, I do believe you planted a little seed with Arne Finn about the Maldives. So. Do you think, Ricky? <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to that a couple of times. Like, did I say that out loud? Yes, and yes did. I did. Because <laughs> whenever I look at pictures of that place and I think of the good work that they're doing to keep sustainability and their people alive yeah. is is just fabulous well ricky we'll look forward to to our our next month and bring in some global guests and i'm so glad that we got to have a little bit of a backstory today perfect it was fantastic thank you so much i, I enjoyed telling the story and yes i can't wait to the next one well thank you ricky for being on speaking of travel and being a part of the speaking of travel plus leave no trace series I think we can all agree that as humans, we're responsible for taking care of the world. After all, we have a relationship with the earth and a moral responsibility to the animals and plants to take care of it. It's always a good time to adopt some new habits of care and concern for our planet and try to make a difference in our quality of life. I hope that all of us here on Speaking of Travel will inspire and assist you in being a good steward of the earth, our families, and our communities. This is by far one of the most important things you can do moving forward. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. Run!